0: G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz and this is episode number 21 of the Outback Mine podcast. Matt DeGrucci is the young man that I have on with us today. Now, I wanted to get Matt on this podcast because he's got such a special story to tell uh, and... He's doing it fearlessly, so Matt was a young man, uh, eight years old, nine years old, I think he was, and he was uh, diagnosed with what's called Stargardt's disease, which basically means that you lose your vision. Matt is a a young fellow from Country Victoria, from Horsham, where I'm from myself, in the Wimmera, and uh, Matt has had lots of challenges with regards to this, but one day he sort of woke up and said, no, I'm not going to take this anymore, he was getting lots of uh, Advice which was not helping him at all. So he's taken uh, his life into his own hands now and he's actually getting out there and educating people about disability and disease and and helping others to understand that they can live fulfilled lives uh, without being trapped by what's actually uh, hampering them. So Matt has taken uh, upon himself to be able to started his own clothing brand called Matt DiBucci Vision and um, he's doing lots of work in the community to be able to raise awareness and, and help other people so I really uh, hope you enjoy my conversation with Matt he's a passionate uh, and really inspiring young fella and I'm sure there's going to be lots of uh, learning and, um, and tips and tricks that you can take away from his uh, journey uh, as a young man uh, in his 20s to be able to help us uh, at any age to appreciate life and, and the gifts that we all have within us. So hope you enjoy our conversation. Matt DeGrucci, welcome to the Outback Mind podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Stoked.
0: Uh, mate, uh, it's so uh, awesome to hear like the vibrancy in your voice and Robbie Klitzing as uh, another young fellow that I've got on here and just how how happy you are to come and talk about your own journey and story and, and, you know, try and inspire and help other people. So I'm really grateful and blessed that you uh, are able to come on and have a chat, mate.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah, I do. I try to keep a um, positive vibe, a good attitude. Cool. Um, and yeah, through adversity and all the other things, um, you sort of learn your way. So thank you so much for having me. Appreciate Great it. Opportunity.
0: Mate, we'll, we'll, top, we'll tap into that now before we get into the other stuff. But what are you doing now to keep your vibe up and your, uh, your positivity?
1: So exercise is a huge thing for me. Um, walking is like the best thing, I think, for clearing my mind, clarity and all that. Um, Also, I meditate every day. Meditation is quite a big process that I follow. So it might only be for 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day. But if uh, I fall off the bandwagon of meditation and walk in, I do notice a decline in my mental clarity. Mm. So that's sort of what I do.
0: That's awesome, mate. And how old are you now, Matt?
1: What was that? Sorry.
0: How old are you now? Uh, I'm 24. 24, mate. I wish I was doing those things at that age, you know, so... That's awesome, now let's uh, go back to the start mate, you're from Horsham where I'm from and uh, I guess meditation and that sort of stuff is not really mainstream there and you're sort of going against the norm a little bit but um, uh, mate I'd like you to talk to us through your journey like growing up there when you were diagnosed with your disease and sort of what sort of come of that and all the the backlash and the, the hardships you sort of experienced from it so go for it mate.
1: For sure, for sure. So, yeah, I grew up, you know, normal middle-class family. Life was pretty good. Um, you yeah, know, I was always an imaginative kid, so um, always had a bruise or an egg on my head. I was crazy. But, um, yeah, pretty normal upbringing. Um, up until the part when I was nine. So when I was nine, my vision started deteriorating. And basically my mother was told by teachers and um, other professionals, sort of, you know, you're looking into it too much. You're an overprotective parent. Blah blah blah, all the rest of it. So, um, eighteen months after that um, was when we actually got the diagnosis. So, I was diagnosed with dyslexia, all sorts of other conditions beforehand, because um, the disease I have is Stargardt's macular dystrophy, or Stargardt's disease, short.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, it's quite. It was quite rare when I was diagnosed. So, I was diagnosed back in two thousand and six and not every optometrist could pick it up so that's probably why the process took so long and um yeah there was a fair bit of adversity like one of my optometrists that we went and saw he just thought i was just an attention-seeking little kid and he actually um caught, like looked at my mother and he said if your son can't read this he must just be a retard so yeah. there was a lot of um a lot of hurdles probably getting to the diagnosis because I feel like a lot of people perhaps didn't believe that I was actually losing my sight. They maybe just thought I was um, playing at it or something like that. Mm. So that's in the beginning. And then moving on throughout school, I was absolutely petrified of being bullied, picked on. I didn't want to be any different. So I kind of sort of succumbed to just hiding my disability from pretty much everyone, not telling anyone, teachers. Um, pretty much only family a couple of close mates um, knew that I was losing my sight and it probably took up until maybe year 11 or year 12 of my high schooling where I became uh, more okay with being open with my disability and maybe you know not trying to hide it from so many people but there's definitely a lot um, when you were growing up and you are different, and you you struggle to sort of... You can't see faces, so you snob people. You, you definitely don't fit in in the so-called, you know, in, like, quotation marks, um, normal society. So you can sort of struggle to find your way a bit. Um, and that's what I found in school. Like, maybe I was an easy target for bullies or to be picked on because I was different. I was that kid that was always wearing glasses. Mm. Um, and I was different from the rest, so people... Are confused and they don't know how to react. I suppose to someone that just doesn't appear to be, you know, the average person. So that's probably where I was at in school. Um, people, yeah, probably just more confused with how to approach me. So maybe I became unapproachable um, to most people. Mm. Uh, moving forward, I turned to I turned to food as my comfort. I was pretty much a pig. I would eat consistently so much food Um, and this actually got so bad like my I got to nearly 150 kilos at my biggest Uh, this was when I was in year 12 so I just turned 18 and by that point I had put myself in such a rut so low in the ground and had all these beliefs about myself that you know it's my fault that I've got a disability or that I'm blind so and then you know I was had paranoia, I suppose, about what are people thinking of me and wearing the glasses. And all that stuff snowballs. It's like a domino effect. And because I was so addicted, I guess, to having these negative beliefs about myself, um, it just snowballed. And then I ended up, you know, becoming a massive um, hypochondriac. I would always think I was dying, whether it was a brain tumour or some form of cancer. I would always be Googling WebMD, all that stuff. Um, And it was really intense. So 18 was my breaking point. I was at the lowest point I'd ever be. I was severely obese. I was on a Skittles box worth of medications each day to just keep my heart beating and not popping. So that was my breaking point. But it was actually my family that first initiated the change. They planned this intervention-style meeting with some doctors and a couple of family members uh, originally, I didn't want to be a part of this. I thought I was being forced into seeking help for something I didn't know stemmed from within myself. So that was the start. But I'm very grateful that they sort of took charge and thought, you know what, this is really not good. It's not going in a good direction. Um, we need to sort of step in. And that was when I was 18. So I'm now 24. So that was the beginning of sort of, where i maybe started to realize that maybe perhaps i can be the person that picks myself up from the rut maybe i don't have to rely on others to help me out i've got to be that rock for myself um Mm. it's a slow journey but i'm glad that i'm on it
0: Mm, amazing mate uh geez 150 kilos your body would have been working hard to uh to survive mate what sort of food were you eating
1: what was that sorry what
0: sort of food were you eating
1: Oh, man, just like – I don't know if it was always um, the sort of food I was eating because, you know, my family would prepare quite healthy meals. It was probably the quantity of food that I would go and binge eat in secret. Like, Mm. it got that bad that I would eat a full five-litre tub of bullet ice cream, then go and fill it up with water and then freeze the tub. So then whoever picked up the tub, if, like, mum's checking in the fridge to make sure, you know, the kids aren't being pigs, like, she'd just think it's a full tub of ice cream. Like, I got really clever at, like, eating so much food because that was, like, my comfort. Like, that's what I needed to feel okay, I guess. Mm.
0: So, did this all stem from you, like, knowing that you were going to lose your sight and you basically got depressed, I guess?
1: Yeah, I just... I don't know um, how it really happened. I suppose over time, if you don't... Because I obviously never healed from stuff. I was in denial when I first got diagnosed. I just kept pretending that... No, don't think of it. Anytime I saw the word stargarts or blindness, I'd be like triggered and I had to look away. Um, I just, I couldn't come to accept that I was going to lose my sight. And I think it it took me accepting that I was going to go blind and being okay with that and being like, okay, well, this is who I'm going to be. You know, let's turn lemons into lemonade. Um, I think that was when, you know, change started is, you know, when I thought, you know what, this is who I am let's
0: you know make a go of it that's unbelievable mate and and we're going to talk more about that journey uh soon but um i i just you know you touched on a, a few things about being bullied and so forth did that was that a big part of your you know your, your upbringing through high school and so forth
1: yeah i think i did have a small group of friends that were always you know that there was no bullying in that sort of aspect Um, I just found that I was an easy target. So I was always the kid that's always wearing sunglasses. So that was always Mm. a big joke and the Mm. how many fingers am I holding up, all that stuff. Mm. Um, And also, as I was putting weights on, I then became the big fat kid that was wearing glasses. So Mm. um, other things sort of stacked up and I was, I guess, an easy target. Like I was in class one day and like some students were actually measuring me with one of those big one metre rulers and they were, like, saying out loud behind me that these are the size of two people and stuff. So I think, um, yeah, in class, I I wasn't happy to be at school. I wasn't happy. um, I felt quite tense and stressed.
0: Mm. Did they ever say about going to the special school or anything like that? That was not even in the equation? Well,
1: I reckon that some people around me at the time that maybe aren't so-called students believed that it would be easier for me to be included um, in the special school rather yeah. than mainstream schooling just because, um, you know, I felt that some teachers maybe weren't interested in helping me. They just thought maybe I'm a burden or, mm. you know, is he really blind? Because he's still walking without a cane, mm. but he can't see the blackboard. They can't comprehend how blindness works. Mm. So they, a lot of teachers I felt like had the, oh, it's too hard. Let's just, he'll just fit in so forth. Some mm. teachers were amazing. I will admit some teachers were fantastic. Mm. Um, but I definitely did feel like at times it would have been easier for me to be at a special school. Um, and that might have been thrown around in the schoolyard and whatnot as well from time to time. But it was probably the other things that maybe they picked on before that.
0: Mm, yeah, it's, it makes sense, mate. Look, you know, in, in, in the, the school system, I suppose... If someone's a bit challenging, whether that be through their behavior or, or whatever, my experiences was, well, experience was that they really got you know, sort of left behind in many ways, but they're the ones that are really needing that extra support and help. I'm hoping that things have changed now, but it sort of sounds like you know, you've had some teachers which weren't quite on board to support you, but you also had others that did.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's 100%. I was lucky enough, I did have a visiting teacher that came for a few hours once a fortnight and um she was amazing um her name was joe and if i hadn't have had her in my later years of high school um i honestly don't know how i actually would have done it because she she was a really good support yeah and, and she was the sort of person that would constantly be knocking down on the doors of teachers and drilling in two of them that you know matt is blind mm. yes he still walks around yes he doesn't use a cane like blindness isn't just seeing black. Um, she was, you know, a real supporter and advocate to me. So I was super grateful for that. That mm. was a great support.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. There's always someone that pops up out of the woodwork that, uh, that's actually got our back. And um, yeah, mate, you you weren't, you weren't backing down from the way you were or the way you felt. It's just that person that recognised it. If you had to like start yeah. to feel into the way that some of the teachers that you're... Or that you were experiencing, you know, and their, their, their way of treating you, that would have taken you into you know, more, I suppose, uh, isolation and poorer mental health.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I feel like self-esteem, you know, when you have so many people that sort of just look at you as less than, that's sort of the biggest thing that got me is I felt like I was always just like, oh, he's just less he's too hard, Mm. you know, let's not give him a go, like, he's not, you know, he's not normal, just too hard basket. Mm. That's, I think, what just kept drowning my self-esteem. And then after, you know, if you're going through school for six years, like, over time, it's not just school, it was other factors as well, I suppose, Um, and the self-sabotage, the overeating and whatnot. Mm. Um, But, yeah, I feel like when you, you get yourself in such low pitch at, um, it's hard to
0: get out yeah absolutely it, it can be mate but it sounds like you um you you had the the right sort of pathway to to move through with the, the help of your parents but how did the eating start to change mate how how did that sort of uh, evolve and and what did you do to correct things
1: so throughout the later years of school i was a little bit of a yo-yo dieter um So I did, you know, sort of I might lose, you know, 5, 10 kilos, and then I put on 20 sort of thing. Mm. Um, But I feel like when I started becoming a little bit mentally stronger, so I went to cancelling, I saw a therapist, um, and this was when I was 18, I had 10 sessions, and then I continued to um, have other contact with other services to help me out. And I feel like as I was slowly progressing, becoming mentally stronger, that's when i kind of thought okay well you know i don't have to be the same way i can create the life i wanted to live as mm. a kid i've always dreamed that you know one day i would be a fit person that's confident enough to tell your story mm. but at the time i never thought that i could be that person so mm. as i became yeah, a little bit more grounded and felt like maybe things could change for the better um that's when i would. You know change my life so exercise was a big thing i was very lazy beforehand mm. um exercise not so much going on a crash diet but just changing your lifestyle like the amount i don't know if you understand the amount of junk i would consume like you know m&ms bloody you know all the chocolate chips and like i mean like all of it like fifty dollars of safeway groceries and i would go and binge eat it kind of thing mm. um yeah and even now just saying that i don't i can't believe that was me but yeah it was a lot of binge eating and that's when that's the thing i probably had to change
0: do you find i was going to say mate do you find now if you're feeling a bit low or depressed you go back to those behaviors or are you pretty much got it under control
1: um well i never feel like i like stop i never feel like i'm starving myself from like a food that i'm craving as such because i'm not on like a diet it's just the way i live now so i don't know if like one day i might be having a shit day and i think really oh, i really want to you know a chocolate bar or something i don't know if that's the way i think anymore mm. i don't know if i have that correlation with food but um yeah i wouldn't say i'm not 100 sure on that one i'm stumped actually but i don't think i go back to food like i used to You'd I think i rather, I think i use exercise, I think i go for a walk to um, calm down or, you know, recharge my energy.
0: And, and meditation would be helping to regulate your moods and so forth as well, so that's, uh, that's a big tool, and a big helpful yeah, tool, mate, for sure. That's, that's first thing in the morning,
1: first yeah. thing in the morning, Good. to start with the meditation. Good, yeah,
0: well that, that's, that's what it's all about, that's the right time to be able to um, help the mind settle so as guys we wake up uh with an agitated mind primarily so we'll we'll, all, we'll be anxious um pretty much straight away so uh i've spoken about this before like most of us will turn the tv on or the radio or open the paper but really the best thing we can do is just go and do something to help our minds slow down calm down get back to neutral again and then we can start the day and then you're a bit more aware about what's going on but if you start in an agitated state and you, you get stimulated straight away then usually it's going to be a bit of a trap for you to fall into other patterns as well
1: yeah definitely see one big thing i had to stopped doing was checking my phone instantly when i woke up mm. um i'm glad i got rid of that habit because i felt like that got you stuck in a cycle of you know the constant like need for you know more entertainment and stuff like that
0: yeah that's right and yeah you do we as humans we do crave connection but You've got to actually find that time to connect with yourself so that's why the meditation would be really important and also your exercise and so forth too so good on you mate yeah thank you um matt so so that's been six years you know so when did the weight start falling off like where, were you like maybe back to 100 kilo after a period of time or how did it actually unfold
1: um, so, I think um, as you're bigger, you can lose quite a lot of weight if you're exercising. So, like, I might have lost the first 15 kilos quite rapidly um, when I was like changing my sort of lifestyle as such. It was never a crash diet. Um, but this has been very slow. Like, I'm still on this journey of, you know, get like working on my body and whatnot. Um, so, I do think I definitely maybe lost some. Um, say 40 to the 50 kilo mark within the first three years maybe which may seem really long and slow to people but um, it was never sort of a race for me I was kind of enjoying every phase. so yeah. I would get to 120 kilos and I'd be like oh my god so I kind of enjoyed the way I felt then for maybe a few months and then thought okay now I'm going to really progress to the 100 kilo milestone then you know and so forth
0: didn't force it, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, no, it um seemed to happen pretty good, which is yeah. But there was definitely patches where I um hovered over the same weight. Like i there was a year where I didn't really lose any weight, I was still hundred and twenty kilos and yeah, it just kinda of stayed the same and then the next year I sort of got back on better track.
0: You'd be what, yeah. sitting around ninety now, mate, or a bit less or?
1: Yeah, about ninety. About 90, my body seems to be happy at 90 kilos.
0: Okay, that's unbelievable. You, you've lost my whole body weight, you know, <laughs> So uh, in, in that period of time. So that's uh, it's pretty incredible, mate. So good on you for that, you know. And you've actually been able to uh, create a, a, a terrific habit uh, while your brain's still developing, um, you know. So that would be something that you can continue on with life. So it's really interesting through our adolescence how we go through all this imbalance and. You know, you certainly went uh, the other way, primarily with regards to uh, your, uh, you know, low mood and that type of thing, which took you into that, uh, that binging mentality, which is easy, you know, it's the easy, easy option to do. Food's uh, accessible, you can buy it, uh, your parents will supply it, whatever. Uh, but uh, it's actually a real thing to be able to challenge that, uh, that norm. Um, and really, you know, society wants us to consume, so it would have been loving you having more and more and then you know getting the help you needed. But uh, if you can take power of your own life and control of your own life then it becomes so much better. So mate, you know you've you've been able to turn your life around significantly and you're actually doing some work now to help others. So I'd like you to tell us a bit more about that.
1: Yeah, definitely. So back in twenty eighteen I first launched up was well, just, you know, it started off as selling a, sell a T shirt under, you know, Matt Diggy Vision MDV Um, And this was all about, you know, raising awareness for the blind, visually impaired, but also to empower other people. And since then, it's sort of turned into a community and um, I feel like, you know, we've got a solid foundation of people that feel inspired by perhaps, you know, a slogan that I, I may be using. It's never been about trying to promote myself in an egotistical way, but to help others, feel empowered and be bold um so that's where it stemmed from and since then it's sort of gone down the speaking route so i enjoy speaking to people whether that's one-on-one or in a group setting or at a school on a stage whatever um and just telling my story and seeing if anything clicks in other people's minds and then maybe they can um go on and you know achieve something that maybe beforehand they didn't think was possible um so yeah i much dedicate my time to trying to build people up not tear them down i i enjoy um seeing people succeed and yeah that all stems from the advocacy with the disability community it's all about um ability not disability Mm. and changing the way we perhaps focus um on things and um the stereotypes and the stigmas and all the labels that we we put on people that you know we never question you know maybe there's more to them than just you know their disability or whatever it is
0: absolutely mate exactly right like geez we're we're certainly uh we have still had a lot of work to do with regards to that and labeling people and putting them into categories and boxes and so forth and you know maybe you haven't got as good a side as anyone else but you're certainly doing some great things to be able to uh, raise awareness and change the perception uh, that goes around this because I know your disease, it's only one in 10,000 people that has it, mate. So, you know, the chances of getting it uh, are, you know, quite slim.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely.
0: Has there been a history of that in your family at all?
1: Um, well, my sister was actually diagnosed with it about two years ago. Um, so, beforehand, there's been no history um, mm-hmm. at all. Um, my brother hasn't caught it or not caught it, but, you know, he hasn't, yeah. um, he hasn't had any issues with his sight. But yeah, my sister was um, diagnosed in more recent times. So she's going through the process now where she's losing her sight. And I'm at a spot where maybe my vision sort of stabilised because I'm sitting at 4% vision now, mm. 6% sometimes on a really good day. Mm. Um, so I've lost over 90% of my vision. So mine's quite stable, which I'm happy about. And she's more in the phase of it still deteriorates. She doesn't know what she's going to see the next day she wakes up mm. kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah, it is in the family. There's another family member that does have it. Um, but previously... No, nothing blindness-related at all.
0: Can you tell us about, a bit about your sight and what you what you can actually see, what you can make uh, make out?
1: Yeah, for sure. So how I describe it is a very bright-coloured blur. So everything's very bright and glary, like you're looking at the sun, because our eyes are super light-sensitive. Um, they just can't handle light. If I go outside without sunglasses on, even on an overcast day like today is, my eyes will start crying quite, like, profusely because they just can't handle it. So that's sort of how we see it. It's a bright-coloured blur. It's like a – imagine someone's painted a picture and it's just drying and then you come along and you just swirl it around with your hand and it's just all blurred colours. That's kind of what we see. It's hard to make out um, shapes uh, and also perception. So I'm always – like running into things and sort of knocking corners because I misjudge how far something is away from me. Mm. Um, but yeah, we do see, like, I'm sitting in a lounge room, for instance, right now. And what someone else might see is a lounge room that looks like it's in 4K, you know, everything's perfect. Mm. I just see a messy sort of blur of, you know, where a certain wall might be, and then there might be a couch over there. But, rather than i see a couch i just see the color of blur that the couch is kind Mm -hmm. of thing
0: yeah yeah Yeah. mate how how are you managing that like you do you have like aids to be able to support you so you can get around so you're not tripping over things and and all that as well now or
1: um i don't i do have cane but i never use it um uh, and also, like, I always wear sunnies. So sunnies are a big thing. The darker things are, the better for me to see. Mm. And also, with technology, like, a mobile phone's amazing. I can zoom in on anything. I take photos of labels to, you know, read what ingredients is in on something. Or If I want to u- read a newspaper clipping or, you know, even on social media, if I happen to be watching someone's story, I'll have to screenshot it so I can zoom in to really see what's happening Just um because I can't see, you know, just from it being zoomed out that far. So mm. a big thing is the zoom features on devices. Um, I zoom them into like four or 500 super large. Um, and that's been a big help. I'd be completely lost without that. Mm, but as far as navigating the world, I not a hundred percent sure how I do it. Um, cause I seem to be okay. Even when I travel sort of even internationally, um, I think I've got a good handle of my surroundings. I've been, I started losing my vision when I was nine. I'm now 24. I just feel like maybe I, my brain puts together the rest of the image. So Mm. my eyes might see, you know, just a little bit, but then my brain kind of like goes and says, okay, well that's that. And I just keep going. But I do trip over things. I knock into stuff. Um, You know, if pavements are unlevel, I can easily trip over them because I wouldn't see if, you know, it's raised a bit sort of thing. Mm. Um, I hold on to railing when I go downstairs. You know, I like to touch things to know where I am. Um, yeah, that sort of thing.
0: So you're managing it pretty well, mate. You, you, yeah, you, I'm pretty
1: comfortable.
0: Yeah. Do you find that, the, that sometimes you feel quite low or you're you really at a stage, you know, where your routine is, is over, overriding and you know, that with positivity?
1: Um, I can definitely still get low. I definitely have more good days than bad. Mm. Um, but I I don't really get down about my vision, though. I, I don't anymore. Um, so if, if I'm getting down or having a low day, it might just be, you know, I might just, you know, fall down that rabbit hole for, you know, one day and, you know, feel shit about myself and think, oh, well, is me? But mm. it, luckily it doesn't seem to last long anymore. I seem to get myself out of those um, little ruts real quick. Mm. Um, but yeah, as far as vision, I don't think I have low days about my vision. The only thing that frustrates me is that I can't drive a car and I know how I, like, I feel like I am quite a go-getter as it is and quite a motivated person, but I just would like to know what it would be like if I had my license and could see yeah. what I could achieve. Like, yeah, cause I do face a barrier with, um, transport getting places Yeah
0: tricky absolutely i understand that and uh um yeah look it's probably something that you you will find you'll become attached to that i wish type of thing but if you just surrender and say i I accept it um you know that's where a lot of the uh issues we have with mental health uh with frustration you know really stem from you know you you you, you're really uh wishing for something that's uh unrealistic unfortunately but um you know, just, just doing what you can within your own self to be able to manage that, I think, is uh, the key rather than sort of uh, wishing for something that, uh, that's not possible, unfortunately. But there's so many, so many great things you're doing and so many uh, positive things you're doing. You know, focus on more of them rather than the, the things that you can't control, I suppose, are, are going to be really, uh, a really big asset of yours moving forward, mate, for sure. Yeah,
1: that was awesome. That was so well said. You're captivating me.
0: Tell me Matt, um, so what are you, what are you, what's your vision and what's your plan, you know, moving forward? What do you want to do more with the rest of your life and uh, you know obviously the next few years and beyond?
1: Um so motivational speaking is where I'm at. I, I know I have a voice, I have a story to tell, and now I feel like I'm at a place where I'm confident enough to tell that story. Um, And I've done talks and um, done that for a few years now, but obviously with COVID last year, that halted things. So that's sort of my my venture, my endeavour. I've never wanted to just sit behind a computer and try and sell a T-shirt and make heaps of money and not connect with people. I need to be out there talking to people face-to-face, in crowds, and, um, yeah, just, you know, trying to create a more positive
0: environment that we all live in. Agree. Um, yeah. yeah. Mate, you know, and really when you do speak to a, a class or a, a group of people, whether that be young or old or, or whatever, that is captivating because there are tensions on you the whole time. So you can imagine a kid sitting in a classroom and he's getting taught stuff on a blackboard. His his attention's in and out of that room consistently, but to hear someone like yourself come on and give lived experience about your journey... Uh, that is so much more powerful in many ways because they can relate to you um, as, a, as, a, as a young man and to also be able to sort of be grateful for what they've got within themselves that, uh, that you know, may have been taken away from you but you've taken the positives out of such a negative and that's, that's, a, that's available to all of us. You know, I, I work with, with young guys that have had lots of trauma but I'm trying to help them understand that they can use their difficulties to be able to help others, um, you know, experiencing the same thing to be able to become more um, conscious and aware that they've maybe been through some of the things to be able to help make them stronger at the end of the day. You know, you could have uh, still been sitting on the couch eating food. Uh, that's not so good for you, but you've been able to move your life uh, in, into another direction. And I guess, if we sort of go back to the old wishes and the, um, uh, you know, the what ifs, then we're not going to be able to grow. you can sort of say, yep, right, I accept it like you did. Um, you're able to to move forward. And, um, mate, one, one thing I'm really passionate about is, is is guys that have actually been incarcerated or, or you know, they've been punished for behaviour that's not their fault. Well, they've had trauma in their lives that, that, that basically they, they didn't have any control over. Now you never had any control over what you, uh, have gone through. You could have gone the other way and maybe misbehaved or kept doing self destructive lifestyle behaviors. But I think, I believe we've all got the ability to be able to take positives out of the negative stuff that's happened to us, you know, and, and grow from that. And, uh, you know, uh, if you listen to the podcast I did with, um, Tommy Herschel, he talks about turning right rather than turning left, and uh, it's a similar thing with this, to be able to sort of say, okay, well, I see where it is, I'm at the crossroad, I can go this way, it's going to help me grow, rather than sort of take the easy option.
1: Definitely, definitely.
0: So, mate, uh, that's, 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 that's awesome what you're doing now. Matt, how can people get in contact with you if they want to get you to come and speak or provide some guidance or try and uh, you know, access the beautiful clothing that you're getting out there?
1: Too easy. So um, com. There's no www, there's no .au. So just com. you'll be able to find me everywhere from that. Um, but if not, I have my Matt Vision um, Facebook, Instagram pages, um, also on YouTube. Um, I'm not a regular poster on YouTube, I must admit, though. But that's where you can
0: find me. Good. I really encourage people to touch base with you um just to to say hello and to look at the the clothing that you've got and maybe to be able to you know have a conversation with you about doing some work in their particular area because this whole podcast is about trying to get information out to regional australia to try and improve uh awareness and mental well-being and so forth uh, within those particular regions and communities uh to be able to get people like yourself on that have got lived experience and stories to tell that can help empower others So, uh, yeah, really encourage anyone out there to to touch base with Matt and uh, and connect with him in some way, shape or form. So, Matt, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate uh, you being here. You're back in Horsham, and uh, I I understand the weather's not that great down there today, but um, just make the most of what you can uh, in the time that you uh, have got for the rest of this Sunday, mate, and uh, really grateful for you being here.
1: Thank you very much.
0: No worries, brother. Cheers. There you go, guys. Matt DeGucci, uh what a, a pretty inspirational, positive young fellow. I think there is lots that we can all take away from uh, what he's been able to do. Like, geez, in six years, go from 150 kilo back to 90 and um, uh, lose his sight back to 4% sight, you know. So we're, we're looking at a device or something at the moment or we're looking at something in our mind's, you know, taking us to feeling ordinary, Um, geez stop that for a moment and just say thank you i'm grateful for actually having all these good things go uh well for me in my life i've got my sight i've got my hearing i've got my touch my smell all these senses and you know we 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 get stuck on the negative so much don't we but uh, there's so much that we can be happy and grateful for and geez matt he's taken his life into a whole new direction and being able to help others and do something he feels passionate about from the negative so uh, all uh, all credit to Matt and uh, the stuff that he's doing to change lives um, if you want to touch base with me uh, support at outbackmind.com.au uh, yeah send me some info on uh, on what you thought of the podcast or touch base uh, on Instagram or uh, Facebook or whatever is uh, the best uh, way for you to communicate so I appreciate you being here guys listening in, there's going to be lots of other great guests coming up soon so uh, just keep tuning in and uh, yeah Keep supporting us and getting it out there to more people so we can um, help create some more awareness and uh, better wellbeing throughout uh, regional Australia. So I appreciate the support. Thanks very much. Cheers.